Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Jen. I'm the most favorite, and her husband is one of them, so I'm, I'm taking that. I'm, okay. We can go there. All right. How's everyone doing today? You guys ready? Um, well, it's been, a, it's been a minute. I think so. I've been here a few months. Up here, right? A uh, couple things happened. Uh, we sent our daughter to college, right? It's crazy. Can't believe that's the stage of life we're in, but we're there. Um, my wife and I just celebrated 21 years. <laughs> till the wheels fall off, and then we'll walk. She said what did it for was the day she came over to visit my house. Oh, knocked on the door. I answered the door in my tank top, and it was over after that. So, gotcha. For me, it was seeing her tattoo, but we'll we'll end it there. Um, I actually uh, felt like I have a couple prophetic words I wanted to give before we started. Um, Rasan, where you at? There you are. Good to see you, son. Back in the house. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I felt like I was supposed to affirm the calling on your life that... um, so hold on, hold on. I, I, felt, I felt like I was supposed to affirm the calling on your life, that you are called to the young adult generation to bring revival, to activate and initiate revivalists, to send them into the marketplace and into the world to bring transformation, to bring the kingdom of heaven. I know you know this, but I felt like I was supposed to affirm it. That is your calling. You're also called to bring racial, racial restoration and reconciliation to the city, to our city. There's a calling on your life. I believe it starts in the young adult generation. But I just wanted to affirm that, that that's, that's a calling on your life. That's, I know that's something you've been going after, but I felt to affirm that that is for sure the calling that's on your life. And the Lord has anointed you and given you grace to do so. Yeah. Amen? Come on. <clears throat> All right, one more. Sorry, Lane. Lane and Payton. Love you guys. Uh, I, I, I actually, in prayer time this morning, you guys' faces popped up in my eyes, and, and I felt to do a similar thing of affirming the calling that's on your life and what you're doing in the industry that you guys are in, the uh, level of culture, the level of kingdom that you guys are cultivating in, in your industry, and specifically the community and family that you have gathered around. You are a part of actually initiating a movement in that industry that's bringing kingdom family and activating people on their calling, activating and connecting people with their worth and their value, who they are as sons and daughters of God. Uh, I see lives, uh, countless lives being changed and transformed because of coming underneath and experiencing a mother and a father that breathes life into them. That you are, in, you are for sure doing the work of the ministry in the marketplace. And I just felt to affirm that. So love you guys and bless you, man. <clears throat> All right, you can go to Matthew 13 and then put a note card there if you want. Matthew 
and then one in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I've, so I felt like this morning I wanted to talk a, a little bit to, um, I feel like a unique opportunity that the body of Christ has in this season and in this moment. Uh, and, there, and something very specific in the culture that we've created, that we're a part of, and are continuing to perpetuate, uh, just the culture of the prophetic and the culture of honor that we have come to know and experience and continue to grow and learn and, and continue to perpetuate and develop, that there's, there's a, I feel like there's some, some key um, strategic gifts, I don't know how to describe it, that we have in terms of our assignment to the world. And I feel like it has to do with this culture of the prophetic and the culture of honor um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to caution you, be careful how you see. We'll let that sink for a second. Be careful how you see. For what we see is, is really the lens, our lens, right, is, is not necessarily always the capital T truth. True? We'll see. I'll see if I can prove it to you. Right? We see with our experience, isn't it true? Our lens is shaped and formed. Our worldview is shaped and formed by our, our experience in life, like what we've grown up with, culture, family of origin, what we've done through education, church, and uh, what kind of life experiences have happened to us. Uh, there's a variety of things that contribute to our lens. And I don't know about you, but my lenses constantly get scratched up. But I can't really see those scratches from here. But boy, I sure can see them on other people. And so it's, it, it does us really good to be aware that we have scratches on our lenses and not to fully trust our lenses is giving us the, the capital T truth in our perspective or our worldview of world events, of people, of circumstances, of things that are happening around us. We can't always trust our lens. So we need some help. We need to see higher. Right? I think there's a key here because this is where the nature of the, the or excuse me, the culture of the prophetic and the culture of honor actually equips us to be able to see in ways we've never been able to see before because it takes us out of the natural, brings us to a higher level, and helps us to see in the spirit or after the spirit, right? That's the nature of the prophetic, right? It equips us to see, hear, and understand the spiritual. They understand and hear the voice of the Father, understand and see the kingdom, to hear what heaven is doing. Like this is what the prophetic does for us. It, it equips us with this ability to have spiritual eyes. As Jesus would say, he who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear, right? Like this is, this is what, how we've been equipped to be able to see from a higher perspective and a higher level that helps us to see outside of the scratched lenses that we have obtained over the course of our life. And this is necessary for us to impact the world. And I feel like there's an invitation in this moment to bring a perspective that in a polarized society, the world doesn't see. And it's the body of Christ that has the opportunity to do it because we have been equipped to see from a higher perspective, the perspective of the kingdom. Matthew 13 says, 
Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, while hearing, they do not hear, and while hearing, they do not understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, in which it says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because, you, because they see and your ears because they hear. I, I, I think we can, just from that one glimpse, pull and grasp the fact that what we see and hear, be careful how we see because what we see may not be what we truly think. Our interpretation of what we see may not be the full capital T truth of what we're seeing. So there's a culture of the prophetic that enables us to see from a higher level. There's another culture that we've cultivated and been a part of, this culture of honor, which actually sets value. It sets value on who we are, who people are after the spirit and not necessarily after the natural. Thank you. We got one. Like this, it's, it's a profound thing and, and I find it more profound even speaking about this here uh, because I've learned we have such a, our innate rut in our mind, if you will, our normal standard way of thinking is that we appropriate value based on behavior or things done, action. But God doesn't appropriate value based on behavior. He appropriates value based on the worth of the person, right? How do we know you're worthy? Not by anything you did, but because it was set by the price that was paid for you. And what was that price? The blood of Christ, Jesus. So far be it from me to say I'm not worthy if he paid such a high price, not because of anything I did, but because he saw worth in me and you. It's nothing to do with our works, our righteousness. Please just make sure we have that baseline. <laughs> hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. Our worth, your worth has been determined by the price that was paid for you. Therefore, it has nothing to do with your behaviors. Because if it were so, Ooh, we'd be in a whole different place. And so there's a, with this culture of honor where we'd be set value based on the spiritual or the spirit and not after the behaviors or the natural, well, that's a different type of honor than what we're used to because we're very much in the natural society are used to placing honor and value on action or behavior. And so that in and of itself, you guys, if we can do that, that'll send shockwaves into the society and natural realm of thinking and way of life. Thank you. We got another one. John's my fan back there. <clears throat> so in Corinthians 5, 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him this way no longer. So I want to just give a little bit of a quick teaching. The word flesh there, we have in very common church culture have associated it with the old nature. Am I right? We've got to beat the flesh down. And that somehow the flesh is bad. Ooh, there we go. It's like, it's not? Well... If it were so, let's listen to the verse again. 
Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Mm. Was Jesus full of sin? Did he have an old man? Was there an old nature? Okay, so then that can't be true, that thinking that the flesh was associated with that. Actually, the flesh means physical. Sark, sark, uh, sark is, what it stand, is what the Greek word is. It, it's actually your physical fleshly body, the natural. For now, we recognize no one according to the natural. For we knew Christ this way once before, but we now know, recognize him after the natural no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new being. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. So see, now we recognize no one according to the natural. Well, again, it comes back to this culture of, of honor or value. We recognize we value, place value on the people around us, not based on their natural state. Are you guys with me? I know John's with me. Is anyone else with me? <laughs> you tracking? Mike, you tracking? We, we, we don't recognize people or value people based on what they do or what they have done, but who they are after the Spirit and who they are to be. Be careful how you see. You guys, I don't know if you realize the power the, the power in this, in this honor and this prophetic peace, because in order to honor, in order to see people after the spirit, it requires, requires us to see after the spirit, which is where the prophetic comes in, to equip us to see with spiritual eyes, to see into people things after the spirit, and, and then not just see them that way, but actually value them and treat them accordingly to who they are in the spirit and who they will be not who they are in the natural and what they have done. Do you realize how powerful that would be if we just did that alone? The, the power in, in, in not only power, but in our assignment. Let's go to the next verse. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the assignment, the, the word ministry and the word committed uh, and, the word, and the word word all ties into an assignment. That you and I have an assignment for reconciliation. That just as Jesus was in, uh, God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself, now he has given us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile, be a partnership with the Lord, co-laboring with him and reconciling the world back to him. Therefore, we are ambassadors, representatives of Christ, the anointed one. This is a big call. <laughs> and we're going to need some help. Like, we're going to need to be able to see in the spirit to be able to do so. Because one of the keys in the ways he did it was not counting their trespasses against them. 
Could you imagine living a life where you didn't count the trespasses against of the people around you? Their misses, their, 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 their uh, oh my gosh, those belief systems that they have, their, their political views, I can't believe it. Their, ooh, heaven's done. The religious views, <laughs> their, their, the way they parent, the way they take care of their kids, the way they don't, the way they live their lives, the way they, they uh, uh, go after money only and power. I can't believe these sinful people. Can you believe these people? The lens. Could you imagine if we didn't count the trespasses against them? Oh. Just alone, let alone see beyond them and see the value that God has placed in them of who they are in their identity and destiny in Christ and what they're meant to do and be. Can you imagine if we did what I'm describing, we would live a life unoffended because we wouldn't be surprised at people's mistakes. Read the life of Jesus, <laughs> the people he interacted with. He was not surprised by their mistakes around him. Not only was he not surprised, but he took the thief and he gave them the cash box. You take care of the money. I don't think he did like an 18-month discipleship course. I don't think he had like a track record. Let's see him progress in his, in, his, in his Christianity until he gets, like he didn't have any of that. Jesus is like, I see you for who you are and how I created you to be. I know what you're meant to be. Let me come along and empower that and value that and treat you accordingly. And it bit him. Oh. It bit Jesus, it bit Jesus. Yeah, remember, he's the one that turned him over to be crucified. It backfired on him. But the other 11 turned the world upside down. The culture I'm describing caused 11 to turn the culture upside down and one to hang himself. And Jesus didn't treat him any differently. It wasn't based on his actions. It wasn't based on his behaviors. It was based on, after the spirit, who you are and what you're created to be and what your destiny is. And I won't count your trespasses against you when they happen, and they will happen. I'm sure he wasn't surprised. He's not surprised when Peter's making his own mistakes. Let me come alongside and correct you, but uh, he's not freaking out. Oh, my God, Peter, you can't do this. You're representing us. This is going to make us look bad. We're here to do the work of the kingdom. This is not look, making God look good. He's not in defense mode. I, don't, I have a feeling God doesn't need himself to be defended. Our assignment is reconciliation, not defending. And how do we do it? We have to do it in conjunction with the Spirit. We have to do it in conjunction with the way God sees. Because he doesn't see like we see. We are faulty. 
in our viewpoints. We are faulty with our scratched lenses and our experiences. We are faulty in the sense that I, it's hard for me to see past the natural and know that you hurt people and I still have to get to a place to still see value in you. But that's the call. And you guys, the, the, pow the power in this is beyond measure because when we partner with it, it actually causes the redemption story for that individual. When we partner with the Holy Spirit, with how he sees and what he sees, and then we begin to place value and treat them accordingly, it actually draws them into the kingdom and causes their lives to be changed and transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing transformation that we partnered with because we see, we've been gifted to see, and now we are his representatives bringing the ministry reconciliation, reconciling them. How? By seeing who they are and treating them as who they are and will be, not as in the natural or what they've done. You guys still tracking? I'll try to get some practical, a couple practical tools for you. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm a product of this. Uh, I've always got to pull on my testimony because, you know, as Jen was sharing and, uh, you know, my, my, my life is a product <laughs> of what I'm describing. You know, I spent three years as a drug addict and a drug dealer uh, using the needle uh, and, and, and ultimately landed in prison and spent a couple years in prison. So I had about a five-year chunk that definitely didn't set me up for success as a teenager for my life moving forward. Right? I mean, on paper, I had a different storyline ahead of me. And I have to, I have to a major a, a, a contributor to my life being changed is people around me that I found myself around that did what I'm describing. I found myself in a young adult Bible study group, and the people around me, the, the, the spiritual parents around me, were drawing life out of me, breathing life into me, not treating me as a convict. I mean, I was known as Prison Dan, but <clears throat> that's just, that's a, that's more. <laughs> Somehow she still married me, but <clears throat> like. <laughs> like, my life was going in a different trajectory. But people around me saw something different and didn't treat me as a drug addict. Didn't even treat me as a, as, as a recovering addict. Didn't treat me as a convict. Didn't treat me as a bad person. And you guys, I was not making good choices. And lots of people experienced the impact and consequences of that. The definition of a bad person. And they saw something different and breathed life into me and pulled out of me things I didn't know were there. Saw me as a son. They saw me as a child of God. They saw me as a, 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 a revivalist. They saw me as a believer. They saw me as someone that had a gift and even a call for like teaching and stuff. And over the course of several years, I found myself in, in another family that did even more so in the moving in the prophetic because that was a culture that wasn't even in the prophetic. But then I find myself in a prophetic culture and then I got people telling me things they see inside of me that I have no idea are there, and I don't even believe them. 
And then I just abided with what I heard the Lord say and responded accordingly. And my life started getting transformed. And I got, you got to understand, we're not talking about a better version of myself. You know, I hear people say the saying of, you can't trust anyone that doesn't walk with a limp. I would I push back and say, if we believe what we really believe, you should never know there was a you should never know there was an injury there before. If you believe what we say we believe, full transformation, you should never know there was an injury. I can tell you stories about me, you would absolutely blow your mind that that was the way I was. Because you wouldn't see it. Not because I hide it, because it just doesn't, I can't lie anymore. You know this? We play a game, malarkey. I get fairly good with that one because I know enough. But, but like, I have this thing where like the thoughts that are in my head come across my face and my facial features and my expression. I'm like, oh, man, I do not have a poker face anymore, man. I was really good at it one time in my life. It got me places. But I can't do that. Like I literally just not even in there anymore. So we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about a transformative life that obviously God brings transformation, but how does he want to do it? He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you because you are co-laboring with him in reconciling the world back to him by seeing them after how, who they are in the spirit and how they've been made, calling it out calling out destiny, calling out identity, treating them accordingly. You guys, that's a big one. No longer treating you as you once were, but treating you as you, once, as you will be. And that's a challenge, guys. It's easy to see people in their mess. It's easy to see uh, the world in its mess and treat it according to how it is in the natural but it's our job to bring reconciliation, which means we have to partner with the spirit to see and then partner with a culture of honor to value and place value and attribute it and treat it accordingly as it will be in the spirit. We're calling out those things that aren't as though they are. And by partnering with it and speaking it and treating them that way, it actually causes it to come to pass. This is a very powerful tool weapon that we wield. Wield? Did I say that right? God, that's Blake. Oh, correct me. Because if we do the opposite, out of your mouth, right? Out of your mouth, what comes out of your mouth will come to pass. Then we can actually tear down. The tongue is a powerful thing. What will we partner with? Will we partner with the spirit or will we partner with the natural? And it's a lot easier to partner with the natural, guys, because we're in it. <laughs> we're in it. We're experiencing the circumstances. We're experiencing the people. We're experiencing social media. We're experiencing all the things in the world that everyone else is experiencing. It's really easy to jump on the bandwagon of whatever common thread or, or thing that someone jumped on. Thus our polarizing society. And I want to challenge us that in this, what we're describing, we have an opportunity to bring a perspective that what I believe would happen is similar to what Jesus did in his day, is not answer the questions that people are asking, but bringing a solution and a perspective that rises above it all, that actually brings unity and brings people together, because it's nothing to do with what your belief system is. It has to do with who we're rallying around as the Father in the kingdom. I said a lot there, I know, but I'm not going to unpack it. <laughs> 
we got to be careful how we see. Because we all see the same thing. Except the algorithm of social, of social media has attuned you to see what you typically want to see. and Therefore, you may not see what I see. And, but we're all looking at the same thing, just getting a different bent on it, right? So be careful how you see. Uh, what that means is, is if we all looked at the same thing, our interpretation of it is the how. Be careful how we're seeing. Be careful that our interpretation of it isn't what we're calling carte blanche, capital T, truth. We have to get into heaven. We have to get into heaven and hear, Father, what are you saying? What are you seeing? So-and-so, how, 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 how do you see them? What do you see on their life? How do I treat them different than what I want to in the natural? Because, man, they just hurt me. They just said some things that triggered me. How do you then rise above that and not see them after their belief system or their political view or their religious view or their whatever truth they're holding at the time and the season and the moment? How do I rise above it and see them as a person and a child of God and someone who's been created in the identity of Christ to do great works? You guys, this is a call for the world, ministers of reconciliation reconciling the world to himself. Well, they're not all sons and daughters. No, but they were created in the image of God. Ooh. Every person. Created in the image of God. Well, they're not sons. Well, no, but they were destined to be. Well, no, he says, remember, I got a verse. It says he creates some for destruction. He said, yeah, but that's, not my, that's above my pay grade. I know my job is to be ministers of reconciliation and see, him, see people as he sees them and partner with what he sees in the spirit to be a part of co-laboring with him to see their lives transformed. Why not? Why not? Why not Dan? <laughs> Who had a trajectory in life on paper that was going down a road that I've had family members that went down. My friends are still down that road. That ultimately steal, kill, destroy, and partnering with the enemy to do furthermore steal, kill, destroy. Why not someone come along and see something I didn't see and call it out and empower it and me find myself in, in places and in life that would never have dreamed of being because people around me saw something I never dreamed of seeing. I found worth, I found value, I found purpose, I found assignment, I found love, I found connection, I found friendship, I found the Father. <laughs> and not just God somewhere out there in the universe, but the Father here, Emmanuel, God with us. And having a different experience in life, and now being a part of seeing the kingdom of heaven being growing and expanding as opposed to being a part of steal, kill, destroy. I am the story of your friend that you are tired of. I'm the story of the friend or the relative that you have no more grace for. The coworker you can't deal with anymore. You ready for this one? The president you can't handle. I, I am the story, like says, we are people 
What we do does not dictate our identity. We are people made in the image of God and have a calling and a destiny to do great works and to see the world restored back to himself and all creation to come under the influence of the kingdom. That's our call. We can't do it in the natural, guys. We have to do it by the way of the spirit, and we have to get our own lenses out of the way to do it. It means I have to look and see higher because my own political viewpoint, my own opinions, none of them can stand on the altar in front of the king. The king only has to be the one that stands there, and I have to be okay with being corrected and adjusted. And so here's a couple keys. The first one, humility. <laughs> because humility comes before honor. I can't value you and see you and even draw on what you carry if I don't first recognize you carry something I need. So for, first is humility. I have to recognize that, I also have to recognize that I don't know. I don't know all the know. I know, that sounds crazy, but no, we can Google anything. So if I don't know, I can find out. Like, yeah, getting it. <laughs> because that's all in the natural. There, there's a way. Look, I didn't even get into some of these stories. But when, they, when Jesus was always trying to get trapped, he brought him higher. Steve told the story last week of the woman that caught in adultery and brought him in. They said, what about this? And he says, how about this? And they left. When they brought him a coin and said, well, who should we give the taxes to? Should we pay taxes? Are we really supposed to pay taxes? And he looks at it and he says, pay, pay to the, the uh, image bearer what is due. Which is not only do you pay taxes, but I'm going to go up higher and say, you're the image bearer of the God who created you. Now give him what's due. So he takes him higher. He doesn't get trapped. and somehow, somehow got to defend, but he brings him higher. This is, this is where we're at. We, we, have to, we have to go higher in order to see yes. and to bring. I, I can't trust my thoughts or the thoughts of the people around me, the natural re reactions or responses, even my own. I have to come with humility, recognizing that even my own. I'm, I'm smart, guys. I'm smart. I've been super dumb in my life, but I've been smart also. And even knowing I'm smart, it's not even a fraction of what the king sees, and I'm still don't know squat. And the older we get, the more we find that out, right? I've heard. Steve keeps reminding me. He's got a few years ahead of me. So, Like, like, like we, we, we got to come to the understanding, and especially in an information age where it's all at our fingertips, to realize that, oh, even what I do find may not be the capital T truth. It might be facts, it might be your experience, it might be true to you, but it might be your truth. But no, we're called to bring the capital T truth. Like Jesus, let me, you're not, what you're saying is true. You got to pay taxes, but let me give you higher. What about this? It means we got to see. That's what we're called to do. And in so doing, we bring reconciliation to the world. But it starts with this humility of realizing that I, 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 don't, I don't know all. It's weird that we even have to say that. But you look around. We all got social media, right? I mean, you look. Yes, people know all things. <laughs> all right. The second thing. In the middle of your daily life, I challenge you. Catch yourself thinking. Like, put an alarm on your clock three, four times a day. It just says, what you thinking? What's the tape you're playing in your head in that moment? Catch yourself. Where are you at? Are you building up or are you tearing down? Are you breathing life or are you steal, kill, and destroy? 
Well, we wouldn't do that intentionally. No, we wouldn't, but we do it because we're not thinking. (laughs) We just are on autopilot. And on autopilot, you will be subject to... um, This is a whole other chapter. Your mind is enmity with the Lord. Like on autopilot, you're going to tear down just on autopilot. It takes discipline. It takes it, all of what we're describing. Talks about we, we had a, it takes us to be in control of our own mind. Of like, oh, and this is one key. What you thinking? Are you breathing life? Are you building yourself up? Or are you tearing yourself down? Are you are you mad at the person next to you, or the coworker, or society, or circumstances? Are you chewing them out, or are you bringing a higher perspective and breathing life into it, and solutions, and wisdom, and revelation? Catch yourself thinking. Ask the Lord. Oh. I'm tearing down. Ask the Lord. How do you see it then? This is how I see it, obviously, on autopilot. This is just where I'm living. (laughs) But go higher. How do you see so-and-so, this situation, this circumstance? Catch yourself thinking, and then ask the Lord. And then respond accordingly. Change. (laughs) Adjust your beliefs Oh, I will not think that no longer. If that's what you're saying, I'm going to align with how you see and how you think. And not only am I going to align with it, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to treat people and circumstances around me as such. This is, I know it's a lot, but we can do it. I believe in us. Because what we're talking about is repenting. Get into heaven, hear what he's saying, and repent. Change the way we think. Change the way we behave. Change the way we believe, change the way we behave, and we will become something different. And when we partner with him in doing that with people and society around us, you watch the world start changing around you because of the power of what we're describing. Why don't you stand? Yeah, so Lord, we just thank you for... Uh, Lord, the challenge, we thank you for uh, the exhortation. We thank you for calling us up. Lord, give us uh, eyes to see. I just release eyes to see in the spirit realm like we've never been able to. Ears to hear things in the heavens that we've never been able to hear. Lord, I, I just release a spirit of understanding that we would begin to grasp and comprehend the supernatural as opposed to the natural, the heavens as opposed to what's around us that we would understand it in such a way that it becomes logical in our rational thinking, that the supernatural seems reasonable. Because why not? Why can't another, that testimony happen again in someone else's life? Why can't that testimony happen in this circumstance? Why not? Why can't heaven move in a way that I can't see in the natural? So Lord, we just release the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and understanding And, Lord, we just say, come, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Flood us, Lord. Flood us, Lord. We just need you. We just need you. There's no way any of this life is possible without you. We just need you. And, Lord, we just release a a level of encounters even throughout this week that bring us into uh, an experience with your presence that goes beyond anything we felt before. Lord, I thank you, and I'm grateful for the life you've saved me from and brought me into. I just bless you, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, 
visit www.bethelatlanta.com.